Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we are back. We are back, Will, and we have our our first like actual interview of of the fall. Yep. Or it's not really fall, but it, it's kind of yeah, fall. It might as well be fall. It's right? our season. Actually, it'll be fall, fall by the time this airs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we're recording it like two days before fall officially hits. But, right. Um, right. But yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Just getting in the in the throes of the semester with the school and uh, you know, it's getting yeah. it's kinda crazy, but it's all a good crazy trying to get these students educated. Yes. You're making future music business leaders That's it. Of the world. <laughs> That's it. That's what we're trying ah, to do. So I was alone last week. I did my little my little solo episode, so I'm glad you're back. And um, it was you awesome. Have a music. You, you did yeah. a, Oh, you enjoyed it. Yeah, you did it. I listened to it, of course, you know, because I'm editing. Uh, <laughs> but it was awesome. <laughs> I liked it. Yeah, it was great. Oh, good, good. No, I, we, it sounds, it looked like we got some nice numbers in terms of people listening and. Um, I did have somebody reach out on Facebook saying, I'm sharing this. This was really important. So, yeah, yeah, so good. But you're back, which means you're back with a music tip. Yes, I am. And the music tip, I guess it sort of flows into what we're talking about today. Um, It's an app that I downloaded, and there's a whole bunch of apps that do the same thing. So you might want to just go ahead and, and, you know, peruse what's there. Um, But it's called the Loop habits app and it's basically helping you to build a habit and you know the the thing people have been talking about recently yeah how you just you do one thing one small thing every day and you create a habit out of that and it will basically take you towards your goal so um, this is a way for you to track that so it has a, a thing there so you can list the habits that you're trying to build and then you just basically click it off did you do it today and at, and then it will show you a graph, um, how strong your habits are, how, how strong you're building your habit, and is it, is it getting stronger or weaker? So it's kind of pretty cool to see it uh, yeah, graphically represented, and, and so it gives you some encouragement that you're actually doing something. Wow. So have you used this? I just started yesterday. Um, (laughs) I've I've tracked a couple things. So, (laughs) you know, that's, I'm actually using another um, uh, nutrition app uh, through this other program. And that's what gave me the idea. I said, let me go find a goals app. And I got you. Yeah. So this is pretty cool. I like it. Cool. No, it's, I, I mean, I don't know. It's either going to make you happy and hyped or very depressed because either <laughs> <laughs> it's going to trend upward or it's going to trend down. Exactly. But um, I don't know. Okay, well, cool. But, yeah, I'm, I'm bad with apps. You know, I'll use it for a minute and then I'm like, oh, you know, never mind. I'll, let me just figure it out in my head or on a piece of paper. But no, that discipline. sounds very good. You got to do the I, You're right. I'm, I'm actually in that season right now. I'm doing a lot of... So this would be the time for me to exactly. check it out. So, 
Well, speaking of habits and discipline, and uh oh, dun dun dun, we <laughs> our first interview for the fall is to get y'all in shape with your finances. Oh Lord, 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 Lord! <laughs> I know, I know that this topic of finances and financial man, um, management is something that's ridiculously important, but is also very, it's a a time where I think a lot of us put our head in the sand and just kind of hope that it all works out. And, and, you know, there's a layer of that. I think you need to still have that hope and faith, Mm -hmm. but you know, there are action steps and things that you need to keep in mind. And particularly for musicians, um, because we keep trying to say, essentially, you you may be an artist, but you are also a business owner. You are also an entrepreneur. You also have to manage your own stuff. So instead of just Will and I always, you know, talking about our little experiences and, <laughs> and dear wisdom, I thought it would be really great to invite an actual financial advisor and professional Yay. Yay. Who could really, yeah, who could really school us just a bit more on, you know, how we really need to look at our finances and how we need to think about managing it, particularly when we're working for ourselves. And beyond just looking at your dollar, but what are the other things you need to keep in mind to keep yourself financially, you know, secure and looking into your future and stuff. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce Mr. Eric Grant. Hi, Eric. Hey, Eric. Oh, you were talking about me? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out who you were having on the show with us. Man, okay. Uh, Thank you. You know, don't be saying that because now they're going to be like, oh, he don't know what he's talking about. No, Eric is very, um, <laughs> I'm going to let him in just a moment tell his background. But first of all, Eric, um, we have to bring this up because Eric is a diehard H.U. Bison, Howard University Bison, like, I mean, like huge. And so we've got all three of us, triple force, (laughs) H.U. on on this podcast today. So have to give some love there. But Eric is also my financial advisor. So I really actually trust a lot of of what he is going to bring to you, even though he just said something silly just now. Um, But I I really, (laughs) I think what's really cool about Eric, and I'll let him tell this in a moment, but Eric doesn't just look at kind of numbers on paper and, you know, what life insurance to get or what. He also is a bit of a psychology <laughs> he's trying to figure out what's going on with you and what, you know, what are you negotiating? And sometimes our sessions become more a counseling therapy session. <laughs> but that's really cool because then he really gets to know kind of not just what the financial health, but what, you know, what kind of mindset is going on as well. So, Eric, if you could just let our listeners know, just tell them a, a bit about what it is you do and what your background, professional background is. Well, as much as I've been in the business for 35 years, uh, my background is really kind of only that. I've been a financial advisor since my junior year at Howard University in 1987. Wow. So I've never done anything else. Mm. Um, So, you know, financial advisor, I've got all the credentials in the world, the licenses and credentials. I can do just about anything for clients except for property and casualty insurance. And uh, like you said, um, my experience has taught me over the years that it is uh, the, the finance part is the easy part. That really is, it comes down to really kind of adding, subtracting. It's that psychosis 
that we engage in that keeps us from getting in our own way that you end up having to navigate. And I've become pretty skilled at that. Mm. Yes. And, and that is very, I've had different, you know, financial advisors in the past and Eric definitely is the first one who really like first meeting was like, listen, we, we, this is about mindset and, um, and, and what's going on there. So I really appreciate that. So, so I don't know, you know, Eric, tell, I, maybe you can, some people may have some assumptions of what a financial advisor does and some have no clue <laughs> what it is that an advisor does. If you could maybe explain some of your roles and responsibilities. Yeah, well, you know, nowadays the, the term financial advisor is, um, is kind of bandied about in a way that's a little unnerving for me. You've got people out here who are looking to sell you some insurance fancy themselves financial advisors and you got other people looking to sell you annuities. They're trying to sell you products and earn commissions and they fancy themselves financial advisors. You know, you got to be careful that you're speaking to someone who is going to um, engage you in a conversation that that's, that is around your goals. What are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to get to? And uh, so that, that's really my job. I sit down with people. I determine where they are financially uh, I help them map out where they want to be, and then we figure out ways to get there. And the reality is most people that are my clients ha- have no need for me but for the psychosis they engage in mm-hmm. that keeps them from doing the job they know how to do already. Mm-hmm. And, and, and listen, that's a dangerous thing to say because people will go out and think, okay, well, we don't need eat no more. <laughs> but yeah, you do because you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially around money, you mm-hmm. get real. It just gets real weird. It gets real weird in your relationships, and um, you know, oh, to, to can, have somebody man, with that. <laughs> I can tell you stories that involve murder and all kind of things wow. that relates to money that that I've been a party to over the years. So yeah, money makes people get real. Mm. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, Will, do you want to? Yeah, I yeah. I, I would we we say, try to go back and forth. I'll take over, but I'm not going to. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, that's that's cool. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would just say, um, uh, I guess I got have a few few questions, but one would be, um, what what are some of the key things that people need to be doing um, on on a daily basis with with their money? What do you think uh, that? Well, I guess what would you advise people to do? On just on an incremental basis, because we're talking about you know ha- creating habits and creating regular habits. What would be something incremental that people can do on, on a day by day basis with their money? So you know uh, what I often tell uh, people that I train in the business is that you've got to get people to stop using their dinosaur brain, that is their instinct, mm-hmm. and start using their their, their real brain. Um, the reality is is that. If your goal is to be wealthy, the one thing we know about wealthy people is that they have money. And I underline the word have. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can have money is to, is to somehow or some way stack it. Right. So the habit of saving, that's a, that's a long-winded way of saying the habit of savings is the root of building wealth and or financial planning. Okay. You really can't do anything in life unless you're somehow, some way stacking. That's number one. Number two is you always got to look at uh, look at your personal financial being in terms of cash flow. 
oftentimes we'll look at it in terms of, I got a million dollars, or I got a hundred thousand dollars. Well, it's no good to you unless you can somehow convert it into an income that'll sustain you for a extended period of time. And so I think that's especially true as it relates to artists, mm-hmm. because as best I can understand, your income has a tendency to come in chunks. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so it's kind of an ebb and flow. You're paying bills this month, and then you're making Mr. Charlie hold off for a minute on some bills when you run out of that money. <laughs> you got to figure out, you got to look at yourself in terms of evening it out. When you get a chunk of money, you have to look at it in terms of how much monthly income will that give you. If you, if you know your monthly bills are $5,000 a month and you get $20,000, you have four months worth of income. You got to look at it that mm-hmm. way. So all the planning I do is around creating sustainable income. You work until you can stack enough, and then you live off what you stacked in terms of income. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think like what you said, it, it's not, I, I think people think it's complex. It, it so is not. We, we just make it complex. And then, you know, then you have so much in the environment and peers and you see, you know, what other people you think are doing and not so much that we're trying to copy or anything, but there is, there can, I think can be this really weird thinking behind how we should be, you know, saving or spending money. Um, But I think that whole saving piece and stacking and being, you know, I, I, kind of say I'm like a squirrel lately, like just trying to every little bit, like just put it away, put it away, put it away. And, you know, that that's huge. And I think as artists, um, that what you just said, as far as that having that 20,000 and understanding what that really means, um, and instead of having that mean, oh, I got 20,000 or oh, I got paid whatever on this thing or, you know, just being really realistic. Um, yeah, to that. but you know, the first thing people do when they get a big chunk of money is, they start paying off credit cards and stuff like that. But you got to look at it in terms of income. And, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you may have to continue to make those monthly payments on your credit card until you've got an income that you can't outlive. Mm-hmm. That's that's called retirement. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that's a good point then with the what you just said about debt. Because I think there's a lot of, you know, you have Dave Ramsey and, you know, you've got all of Dave Ramsey's people and, you know, all these people who really push you know, get rid of debt, get rid of debt. First thing do, you know, get your emergency savings of like just a thousand dollars, but then start paying off all the debt. <clears throat> what are your thoughts about that? And, and I know that can be really challenging as an entrepreneur or an artist because of what you were just saying <laughs> with the one-time payments or, you know, ebb and flow. Well, if, if you look at it, like I said at the outset, in terms of income, your, your debt is a drag on your income you have to commit a certain amount of your income to service your debt. So to the extent that you eliminate debt, you improve your cash flow. Uh-huh. Um, so in, in that regard, you know, in a vacuum, those people are exactly right. You should try to kill your debt because it uh-huh. improves your income. But, you know, there's always two ways of going about it. When you're talking about having a positive income, the things that affect that are there's two things, how much you make and how much you spend. So sometimes it's a combination of paying off debt and or looking for a way to make more money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you, at, the, at the end of the day, you're always solving cash flow problems. You got to have a cash flow and you got to have sufficient cash flow such that you have a little extra after you paid Mr. Charlie and everybody else mm-hmm. to stack. 
that that should be your sole goal in managing your personal finances. And the, the things that people allow themselves to get confused about are things like investments and stuff like that. Again, that's just an adjunct to your cash flow. That allows you to supercharge any money you've been able to stack with mm-hmm. investing. But it doesn't affect your cash flow. Right. Yeah, that that would be, uh, well, one of my other questions is what are, what are the best investment vehicles that you uh, recommend to people? It may be that, and they might, that might not be a standard answer. It might be, of course, according to the person that you're talking to. But I guess in general, what would be your the best investment vehicles that you would recommend? Yeah, I think your your answer was kind of right there. It really depends. Um, what we typically do, and Kenya knows this, we'll, we'll test you. We'll take you through an eight or ten question test mm-hmm. to determine what kind of investor you are. And basically, the questionnaire is going to help us determine uh, what risk level allows you to sleep at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then then we, we pick the corresponding investments based on your risk profile. In my experience, um, people's risk profile actually gets more aggressive as their understanding improves. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the best thing you can do as far as investing is, is go to any website. You can go to my website, polarisadvice.com. Take a risk profile questionnaire. It'll tell you exactly what categories of investments you invest in and do so. Even if it's a hundred bucks, do so. Because once you've got some money in it and you get statements and you're watching what it does, your understanding improves, and then you'll watch your risk profile increase as well. Mm. That's helpful to know because mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people think with the investing, I, I like what you just said in terms of, you know, maybe it's just a hundred bucks. Maybe, you know, this is low amount and just kind of watch how it actually plays itself out first before you're waiting for this massive investment or whatever. And you're trying to put this $10,000, whatever, <clears throat> but by starting, you know, really, really small and actually watching what it is doing and not, and, and then start gearing, you know, things accordingly, you know, to that. Um, well, you know, let me let me tell you as it relates to that. Let me tell you about the psychosis <laughs> that I've observed when it comes to stacking money. Okay. So when, when I was learning when I was learning how to drive when I was sixteen years old, my daddy told me he said if you see somebody with a raggedy tow up car, they don't know it, but their goal in life is to make your car look like their car. <laughs> so they dr- they drive in a manner to tear up their car and your car. Right. Mm. That's their tendency. So and I use that example because of tendencies. The, the reality is, is people who get a bank statement and see 10 grand sitting there view that as a license to spend. Mm-hmm. And their and their goal in life, unbeknownst to them, is to get broke again. Mm. <laughs> yep. Right. So you, you got to find a way to overcome the psychosis of, of seeing money and having mm. it be normal. Just sit. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm actually out of the Robert Kiyosaki school. Going going back to our other our other topic. I mean that the recovery was that you know you increase your uh, your income to and the debt piece is what you use to and get things that will increase your income. So there's good debt and bad debt. Right. So. You know, bad debt, of course, takes money out of your pocket. Good debt puts money in your pocket. And you try to get debt that, that, that you try to get something that will give more income than the debt, basically. Right. And he uses real estate typically as a mechanism for doing it. Yeah, I was going to say that that sounds like the perfect case. 
for real estate. Do you have thoughts about real estate versus, you know, investing in these other vehicles? Well, real estate as an investment, I find myself more and more doing that, especially as a planner who emphasizes cash flow. Um, And I'll tell you why that is, and I'll tell you my thought on real estate. Um, Oftentimes, people in our age range, um, you know, life happens and we we don't have enough money stacked. And we don't anticipate making enough to be able to stack going forward. So investing in real estate or other things like that ends up becoming our mechanism for creating that sustainable income in retirement. Mm-hmm. So I find myself advising clients oftentimes on real estate. Typically, we'll put together what I call a pro forma. And uh, in terms of my advice on buying real estate, um, if you're going to buy investment real estate, you can't look at it like it's like you would if you were buying a home. Right. Is it nice? Can I live here? Is it enough <laughs> space for me? Right. All those things don't matter. The only thing that matters is, does it cash flow? Yep. Kind of Robert Kiyosaki's motive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's got to cash flow in a positive way. And you got to account for all the you know, blind spots and time bombs that are associated with real estate. That is pipes bursting and other things. Once you've accounted for that and you know you got a positive cash flow, that's an investment. So it doesn't matter if it's a trailer home or a, a 10 unit building. If it right. cash flows, it's a good buy. There you go. Right. I'm glad you brought up trailer home because I've been really researching. Actually, Eric, we have a meeting tomorrow, love. We, we have a meeting. I'm going to be bringing this up to you. But I, real estate is actually an area that I'm really trying to learn more about and, you know, prepare for. And you mentioned the trailer homes or the mobile homes. I was just listening to this guy talking about how he's, you know, investing in this whole, you know, mobile home park. And I mean, he's been investing for a long time, but just kind of better understanding and and what you just said, you know, don't get all into the, oh, but that's a mobile home or, oh, that's not like, you know, with high ceilings and pretty, it's like, no, no, what is, what is the cash situation going to be? So, and I do think I'm finding more musicians, I will say, I don't know, Will, if you're noticing this, Mm -hmm. musicians that are around our age, and, you know, some people listening to this podcast are, you know, 20. So <laughs> when I say our age, the mature people who were babies born in the 70s <laughs> or 60s or 50s. Anyway, um, I'm just seeing more musicians of that age doing more within the space of real estate. Um, and, you know, as their kind of side gig or even and not even so much musicians, um, even just people in entertainment. Um, and in these kind of creative fields where, yeah, it just ebb and flows so drastically, um, you know, you got to even it out. You got to even it even it out. So it's yeah. like cash flow. Yeah. yeah. I had, yeah. A, I have a client who was a uh, professional athlete. And so he signed a big contract about two years back. Mm-hmm. So his paychecks were like $450,000 every two weeks. It's oh, crazy money. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. So he's like, yo, E, I want to buy a Maybach. I'm going to get this house in California. I was like, man, you on crap, man. Mm-hmm. That ain't what you're getting ready to do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because, you, you know, you mess around and get hurt and can't play no more. Right. That ends, player. Yep. That ends. That's done. It's done. So so let me tell you what I did. And this wraps, this, this gives you a full circle. I told him, you can get your Maybach, but you need to buy some real estate to create the monthly payment to pay on the Maybach. There you go. Right. So he reluctantly did it. He was angry as hell at me. He called his mama on me. But he did it. He'll thank you later. Yes. He will. He yes. Will. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I, I have a, a, a key question, and this is something that uh, that somebody hit me to. Um, and this is basically, they, I guess they call it the infinite banking concept. But it's basically using uh, life insurance as your bank, your whole life insurance policy as your bank. And, uh, you know, the, the concept, I'm sure you, you've heard of it. It's basically, you know, getting whole life insurance and then over overpaying it. And then borrowing against that and using that as your, as your bank, so it's it's almost like a prepaid credit card situation. But the way the reason to do it is because the uh, the policy earns dividends, like seven percent or something like that. So you've heard about that, yeah? Yeah, you, North, Northwest Mutual and like Mass Mutual have great dividend products that that support that. Right. But I think too often that's the right concept used for the wrong people. Right. Mm. I think there's a certain threshold of wealth that that, 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 that makes sense for you because there's all kind of tax advantages by using life insurance cash values and specifically people who are able to max out their qualified plans at work. Mm. Beyond that, the infinite bank thing works for them. I think it's dangerous otherwise. Mm. One, um, because if you find yourself in a bind, the first place you're going to go is that cash value life insurance. You blow up your financial life. But two, life insurance's primary goal should be life insurance, mm-hmm. not accumulating cash. The secondary goal or the adjunct goal would be accumulating cash. Mm. Okay. Mm. So you're kind of, you're, you're not saying no, but you're not saying yes. <laughs> I'm, saying it's, I'm saying it's yes for the right people. Okay. And the right people are people who have uh, what? Typically the ability to max out their qualified plan wherever they work. Okay. Retirement plan, okay. wherever they work. Okay, okay. I know, Will. That's a hot topic for you, so I don't know. If oh yeah, that, that oh confirmed yeah. No, I, or... I, it just no, it it confirmed it for me. It's just um, okay. Yeah, it, it was just when I read about it and talked to several people who are doing it. It just made a whole lot of sense for me and just just where I'm I'm at. So that's uh, that's one one thing I guess I wanted to to run by you, and that that was good. That was good what you had had said about it. You, you got to make sure if you're doing it, you got to make sure that the policy ownership arrangements are correct. Otherwise, you create a uh, estate tax time bomb at the end. Right, right. Mm, okay. Interesting. Yep. Well, I, I have a question about um, today's economy. I think people are starting to hint like, you know, a recession might be coming. Obviously, with Trump being, oh, Lord, in the White House. There's a lawnmower behind me. I'm sorry if you hear that. Um, <laughs> like my lawn guy comes on this recording day, and I'm like, "Oh Lord, this keeps happening." Anyway, I need to tell him to come later. But um, in our current economy, um, current kind of where we are, um, is there any kind of things or signs that entrepreneurs need to kind of keep their eyes open for, or is this in our favor right now? Well, I venture to say that the, the 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 news you see about the economy is little more than financial pornography. Mm. Um, <laughs> most of it has uh, very little to do with with your day to day activities and or your cash flow. Okay. Um, and if for some and by the way, people use the term economy and stock market or the market interchangeably, and they're two separate and distinct mm. things. Eighty percent of the country does not have money in the stock market, so it has nothing to do with you, right? And in terms of the economy, either you have a job or you don't. 
Um, I don't know that any economic measure is making a difference um, or, or you're working for yourself. But but the reality is, um, so as it relates to the market or investing or what this all means for you, um, you know, the objective is to buy low and sell high as it relates to the market. And, you know, at the end of the day, what's low and what's high? How do you know when it's low and how do you know when it's high? It's a relative term, right? So um, what we do know about the market, if we don't know what's high and what's low, we know that on 9-11 when the market started to die, they unplugged the computers mm-hmm. to stop it from dying. And then they went about the business of fixing it. And I think that the market represents an opportunity um, that too many of us don't take advantage of because of whatever fears or, or, or misunderstanding about it being complicated. The reality is um, you want to be in the market and you want to enjoy when it goes down because you know the people who are much wealthier than all of us are going to figure out a way to fix it because that's what their money is. Interesting. So the that's trick a nice is, way to say it. The trick is just to get in the way when they fix it and get you some too. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. All the, and when it, and and I don't go ahead. I'm sorry. All the ups and downs don't really make a difference. It just needs to be up when you're ready to use the money. It'll go up and down in the interest. Yeah. So let it do that. Let them fix it a couple of different times. Every time it goes down, you dump more money in. Right. And let them fix it again. Right. But don't take gotcha. it out just because you all oh, the market's not doing well. I'm gonna get out like you're some sort of a pontificator. You don't know nothing. <laughs> Well, some some people would say double down when the market's going down like that. Right. That's what I was going to say. That's what I feel Dollar like people averaging. think. So yeah. you're saying, yeah. You're they don't saying think that no. way. People don't think that way. I get, mm-hmm. you know, as you can in 35 years, you know, I get called all the time. Hey, you know, Trump's this. And I need to get my money out. No, we ain't finna do that. We just ain't finna do that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, well, I won't be scared. Because the other thing is, you know, recession, recession, you know, is kind of becoming the buzzword again. And is that, you know, I think that there was a lot of, P- there's a PTSD happening, um, particularly for uh, those, I-, I would say it affected probably the millennials the most because they were in that age frame back in 2008, 2009, where they were just, a lot of them were just graduating from college, trying to find their jobs. Um, and maybe had a job for a month and then the recession hit and a lot of job, you know, there were a lot of layoffs and things like that. So now that there's been, you know, these kind of buzzwords again of recession, I know that I feel like I'm hearing more people saying, oh, are you ready? Like, are you, you know, and I, and is, is that not to be really concerned about or are there like a couple things, you know, you should be thinking of doing if, if that is happening, especially if you are on your own financially, you know, so, being so- an entrepreneur. So up until uh, probably about six years ago, uh, I think it was six years ago, the majority, I mean, close to 80% of the companies in the S&P 500 were companies that were started during the crash of 1929. And what we know is that um, we see a rise in entrepreneurship when the economy has a recession. Right. So, you know... um, yeah, you know, the opportunity is, if you get laid off, start a business. Because what's what's the saying? Um, uh, scarcity is the mother of innovation or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when things get that way, people need stuff. You create a business to supply yeah. that stuff, and now you got a sustainable business. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's anything but the normal cycle. If you see a recession, you know, if you ain't 75 years old, it's the best thing that could happen to you because you got a market downturn. If you got a little money stacked, you can push it in there and you can create a side business and take full advantage of the ride back up because it's going to go back up because they're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, and if they don't fix it, then there's nothing to worry about anyway. <laughs> so Right. We're in a street fight then. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. No, that's important. Okay. So, so you see how well, it's financial I, pornography? Yeah, it's financial pornography. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. I've never searched anybody say, but that's why I'm so glad we got you on here because I, I do think, and I'm, you know, this is, I'm going to definitely promote this episode to obviously beyond, you know, musicians um, because a lot of people are trying to get really into um, doing their own businesses because that is like such a almost trendy kind of thing now, but a lot of people don't know have no clue, you know, economically and financially, you know, how, not only how to manage their business, but just in those long-term type of stretches of, you know, of, of sustaining a business and what that means. And so, you know, when you hear anything now on the news about financial stuff, you start, you know, (gasps) because you're used to maybe having that job that kind of protected you. And now it's like, oh my God, I'm on my own though. Is this going to make me, you know, not, be as financially secure as I need to be because now I'm working on my own. Should I be finding a side job? So I just think it's important. You know, I, I, I like that you're kind of saying there's this inflated idea and there's this kind of sexy but not really, you know, thing kind of going on here and that it's not, you know, don't worry. I think that's kind of the, the short answer to it all is, you know, do these things that you mentioned earlier in terms of stacking and, you know, generating income. Um, and when you're looking at that money, don't you know, if you have that $100,000 sitting there, don't decide, oh, it's now time to spend. You know, just let it sit and, and understand it better. Um, so that's, yeah. I think that's really helpful. As You know, as it relates to entrepreneurship, there's a great book out there. I read one. It's called Periodization. And it talks about measuring your business in smaller increments. We have a tendency to measure the success and failure of our business based on long-term periods, one year, two years, mm-hmm. six months, whatever. And measure week to week. And mm-hmm. I think the best advice I got as an entrepreneur early in my career was you need to constantly be at meeting with yourself, one, and then asking yourself, would you fire you for the job you've done? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's true. Or would you, would you, what kind of boss are you to yourself? I, I say that to my girlfriend all the time because making ourselves work all crazy. And it's like, I would leave this job <laughs> if I had <laughs> <laughs> a boss that was working like, you know, making me work the way I'm making myself work. Like, that's crazy. Um, at yeah. the same time, you know, you got to you got to you got to work. So, well, yeah. this has been really good. I don't know if you had any other questions, Will. I wanted um, Eric to make sure he promotes his uh, service. Yeah, de- definitely. I want, so you, that, want him to do that. I, I would just say for our listeners also uh, as, as musicians, um, some of your greatest assets are your songs and your music and to uh keep writing is just that's sort yeah. of that's on my my habit app i have <laughs> create yeah. uh, write every day even if it's like in like 10 15 minutes but uh finish you know like a track every two weeks so um yeah that's that's where your your royalties are going to come from so that's your investments right right and I, I know yeah i actually just um i have a meeting today with a producer 
who were really going to try to push this whole music licensing piece. Now that I was even more inspired by our podcast episode, <laughs> I think it's harder for singers because we have to be able to really partner, you know, with producers to make, you know, to actually make the music while we're, you know, doing other stuff. But like you said, every day though, every, for me, it's hard for me to do it every day, but definitely every week really be like, okay, you know, creatively, what am I storing up as well so that I can, you know, roll out. So, well, Eric, please share with us, how can people get in touch with you and, and can people, are you taking clients or yeah, share, share the goods. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I take, I, I do take uh, new clients uh, periodically. Um, <laughs> the, um, not everybody can deal with me. Can you? you know how I am. I know. Um, Eric's a little tough, but he's really good. And, and even if they don't deal with you, you mentioned about you had, it sounds like you have an advice kind of space on, the, on the internet, on the internet. <laughs> so yeah, even if they don't got, hire you. I have associates as well that you may work better with, but you know, I just, I don't, uh, you, you should know in advance. If, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. We ain't going to walk around the fringes because <laughs> uh, I can't have you. But, you know, what happened was, I, you know, we ain't, I, ain't, I just, I really ain't got no patience for that no more. There you go. Um, yeah. Right. You want to come do this? Let's do this. You know, I, I ain't no taskmaster or nothing like that. But anyway, uh, my website is polarisadvice.com. Polaris is a scientific term for the North Star, a symbol of freedom for black people. Um, mm-hmm. My office number is 312-951-2606. Uh, I work. I work everywhere in the country where black people live. I don't go to Idaho, Montana, <laughs> other places. <laughs> um, in case you were time, wondering, Eric yeah, is African American. I know we mentioned Howard, but you know, some there are some non African Americans <laughs> that go to Howard, but Eric is not that one. So go ahead. No, I ain't that dude. I uh, spend most of my time in New York, Washington, and Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. So we will have oh, in our radio. show notes. Yeah, you guys, share you your radio gotta, show. You guys need to come on my radio show too, by the oh, way. Oh, most definitely. Yes, yeah. we have the to sh- come together. I've done it one time as an artist, but we'll have to come as our podcasting hat, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, both. This you can is, do both. Yeah, yeah. yeah that'd was, be awesome. It's the silliest show on radio, I promise you. Okay. Okay. Awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome. So we just had, wait, uh, what was, we just had Wendy Davis from Army Wives on last week. Oh, really? Wait a yeah. minute. Did you just give the... How do they tune in on the radio show? So I can make sure I put this in yeah. our show notes. You know what? what do they do? How, how do they tune in on the radio show? Where do they go to listen? Oh, it's uh, 8.20 a.m. Or we're also on TuneIn Radio and we're on YouTube. Okay. okay. 4 o'clock Central Time on Sundays. And say the name one more time. The Family show. Meeting Radio Show family on WCPTAM. Okay. okay. The Family Meeting. All right. Okay. Well, thank you again and again. Eric, Does he, what you heard today is how he always is. And, and ridiculously bright and intuitive and, and, yes, funny. And we'll put you in your place if necessary. But that's, that, makes a good, <laughs> that makes a good combination as somebody advising you on your financial right. health. So, yeah. Give it to so me straight. I try. Yeah, we appreciate it. Give it to me straight. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right, Will. Well. That's, that's our, our first interview for the season. 
I know. And do we have time? We may not have time to talk about our new 3MB club, but it's in our closing. Yes, thing. it is. Yes, because we, we're, we're about to, that's about to kick off very soon. So just make sure you guys are tuning in. We'll have it in the show notes more about how we can help you, free ebooks, um, challenges, all of these things that will come along if you become a member of our new music business club so listen make sure you stay tuned while the as, as it ends i'll be just turning off once we stop talking listen to the whole thing so you'll find out how to sign up great that's it all, all right. right take care see y'all next week bye thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed this podcast episode if you would like to join our new artist development program the 3mb club please contact us via email at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com to get on the waiting list and request membership. On the first of the month, those on the waiting list will be emailed a link to officially subscribe. Membership closes on the fifth of each month. Please subscribe to our podcast on your podcast player and leave us a rating and review. Also, please leave us a comment on our Facebook or Instagram page. And if you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at 3mbpodcast at gmail.com.